Welcome to the Modern Man Podcast, 2023. I'm Dr. Robert Frankel. I'm a board-certified anti-aging and emergency medicine physician, and we're going to go through some exciting, cutting-edge aesthetic medicine, cutting-edge wellness and health, and it should be a cool ride for the year. So I hope you take it with me. So buckle up. It should be a fun ride. Here we go. So welcome to today's podcast. We're going to be talking about an interesting topic that has a lot of buzz around out there. Um, A lot of people are talking about it. A lot of people are asking questions. There's always a lot of controversy around it. So whenever those, whenever those things are out there, that's, that's the time that the modern man podcast gets right into the conversation because We're going to look at the science, we're going to look at the pros, the negatives, we're going to look at all the different things that go into peptides for growth hormone. So that's today's topic of conversation. We're going to be looking at all the different things that um, are important when we talk about peptides and what are the real kind of benefits, what are the real downsides. Is it something that's right for, you know, certain people? Is it is something that's definitely potentially harmful for certain people? So it's really important that we look into it because there's, there's always a lot of people who kind of hear these things. They, they get very excited. And there's always kind of the, you know, there's always the counterbalance that you have to look into to make sure that this is something that is okay and right for you. So when we when we look at growth hormone, there's there's always again a lot of um, a lot of controversy. Growth hormone is a hormone that's secreted from the pituitary gland, and it reaches its height at puberty. It starts to peak even at in the twenties, and from there it goes down into um, you know, uh, from there. So like by the time you're in your forties, you, the amount of growth hormone you're secreting is usually about 50% of what you're secreting at the time of the, the time of your, when you're in your twenties, what it's doing essentially it's, it's affecting all tissue in the body, but you know, most importantly, it does increase the elongation of long bone does help with increase of muscle strength, repair of injury. There's no tissue in the body that doesn't get affected by this hormone. So every 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 um, every tissue in the body is going to be affected by growth hormones. So it's going to you know have some you know metabolic effect on growth hormone. Obviously, certain hormones are going to be more um, affected by others. The other interesting thing that growth hormone does, and and this is kind of an evolutionary thing, is that it it actually holds protein and carbohydrates and it breaks down fat first, um, which creates an interesting profile. And we're going to talk about this um, when we get a little further into it. When growth hormone is elevated, um, it's not, you know, it's not the most, um, it's not the only hormone that you're going to be seeing. when you're looking at the blood profile, you're going to be looking at specifically 
a, a hormone, a, a factor called insulin growth factor. This is what you really, what we really look at when we when we actually kind of measure growth hormone because these are kind of the precursors or kind of the um, you know, these are kind of the products of what growth hormone does. And so when we look at um, what are the values of growth hormone, we're not looking at growth hormone per se, but we look at something called insulin growth factor. And there are actually a few different insulin growth factors that are present and not always if you have low insulin growth factor, does it mean that you have low growth hormone? Sometimes you could have low insulin growth factor because of your low calorie intake, um, you know, uh, an illness, and it doesn't have anything to do with the fact that the growth hormone is actually deficient. So, you know, it's important to understand that the insulin growth factor is not a perfect measure of growth hormone, but it is probably the closest measure we're going to get um, for what we have in our system as far as growth hormone. So there are definitely a lot of childhood conditions that, you know, when growth hormone is deficient, this is, this is kind of like the initial kind of research that was done because of the fact that there were patients who had, you know, low growth hormone, they had short stature, they had, um, you know, other kind of deficiencies because of, because of the fact that the growth hormone was, you know, not present. And so they, they started giving, you know, actual, you know, synthetic growth hormone or animal growth hormone, you know, to these patients. And this is kind of how all the controversy started. And for these patients, they did well, but there was another side to it and the other side to um, using these growth hormones was the fact that like I said earlier the cells all the cells are going to be affected by growth hormone and so the major idea behind and the major concern with growth hormone is production of abnormal cells and and these abnormal cells, of course, potentially can produce cancer cells. And so that really is kind of the major issue with using like pure growth hormone. And thus, of course, this is, this is one of the major things that we always talk about when we talk about growth hormone because of the fact that it's affecting the growth of cells and cells that are abnormal are going to be obviously increased in velocity and its its amount of time that it's going to be produced thus this is going to you know have the propensity to possibly produce abnormal cells so there were studies that were done and we're going to talk a little bit about the studies that were done and you know these studies that were done were you know looked at you know potentially um, you know, cancer production in these patients who are receiving growth hormone. Um, so 
and obviously, you know, these were, you know, these were kids who were getting, or, you know, young people who were getting growth hormone that were deficient in growth hormone. And what the studies really kind of showed was the following, that there was a, a clear propensity for people who had a clear, a clear, um, you know, a clear predisposition to certain types of cancer. Those patients, if they were receiving growth hormone, clearly had an increased risk of developing these cancers. Now, would they have would they have developed these cancers regardless? Well, the studies kind of indicate that there was definitely an in, increase in in incidence, incidences of the patients having developed these cancers because of the fact that they um, they received the growth hormone. Now, the question was is that the people who don't have an increased predisposition of cancers, do they have an increased risk of developing cancer with the addition of growth hormone? And those studies were done, again, in France and, and Sweden and so these studies were actually a little bit more um, gray. They weren't as clear. The answers were not as obvious as some people might have you think. And the reality is, is that there wasn't a real, there wasn't a real um, clear answer to the question whether there was a clear, distinct increase in patients who don't have a clear predisposition to cancer production um, for patients who don't have a, pre a, a predisposition to it. You know, that being said, you know, there's definitely something that you have to understand that there is a potential for increased risk of cancer production. And this is something that um, you have to know, you have to be aware of you know, with it. Now, what is the, what are the benefits for adults taking growth hormone or taking anything that would be um, similar to growth hormone? Well, so when, you know, when we're, patients are deficient in growth hormone, you know, this is obvious. These patients, you know, are gaining in long bone and gaining in muscle, muscle strength. You know, as the adults who, do, who receive um, growth hormone, um, there was definitely some evidence that they were, um, had increase in bone density. They had an increase in lean muscle mass. Uh, recovery from injury, and there was some pretty compelling studies that showed regeneration of nerve tissue, specifically cognitive and memory improvement, and strengthening of immune system, and improving in REM sleep. The overall body composition of collagen and skin elasticity as well had a pretty significant improvement. So there was a study that was done in 2012 
in Paris where patients who were placed on growth hormone, and this was um, like one of these studies that were subjective-objective. They, they scale these patients from 0 to 10 and, and what they found, and they, they create these uh, scales on how well the um, these things, you know, some of the things I listed, like lean muscle mass, sleep, you know, cognitive ability, all these th- types of things. Some of them are a little bit more easily objectively um, measured. Some of them are not. Some of them are more subjective. But all of them, all the patients that were in the study, and there were over 2,500 in the Paris study, found that on the scale of 0 to 10, there's improvement of 7 to 80, 7 to 8, almost 80% of either cognitive ability, um, you know, strength, um, as well as uh, collagen improvement. So as far as like the, you know, skin tone, muscle tone, as well as cognitive ability were all improved for these patients in 2012. So that was, you know, that was the study that was, you know, a a really kind of interesting kind of study because that kind of gave a lot of credence to kind of the anti-aging kind of boom of growth hormone. And there was another study in 2014 in Sweden that had similar results that showed, again, some increases in cognitive ability, had increases in, you know, skin elasticity, as well as um, muscle mass, sleep, um, and even kind of, um, you know, fine twitch uh, ability, meaning like, you know, quickness um, and fine twitch. However, in the Swedish study, they, they did also you know, find that, that there was there was another caveat that in in one of their studies they did mention that the risk the cancer risks are you know specifically for older 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 adults, uh, breast, pro- prostate, and colon cancer. These are the predispositions that are most commonly um, most commonly. Uh, caused by an increase in, in using growth hormone um, for these patients, which is obviously the big concern. I mean, there's a strong, you know, there's a strong predispos- predisposition, and, and it's something that you have to understand. The other thing that happens with um, growth, growth hormone is you can develop something called um, insulin resistance, which means that your body starts to have difficulty actually dealing with insulin because of the fact that again you're holding sugar you're breaking down fat and it actually down regulates the insulin receptors um, and so this is a, a pretty interesting um, an interesting kind of evolutionary tale for growth hormone because remember I I talked about earlier that what growth hormone does is it kind of ho- tries to hold on carbohydrates and protein. And so, so by doing that, it's, it's trying to hold on to the carbohydrates by down-regulating the insulin, tr- down-regulating the sugar. So, you know, there is definitely a, 
potential for an increase in um, insulin resistance um, for growth hormone use. Now, this is you know these are these are some of the you know some of the um, important downsides that you have to really kind of think about. And I talked a little bit about some of the upsides. Now, what are peptides? Now, what are peptides? So peptides are essentially um, long-chain amino acids, not quite proteins, not quite um, just, you know, small amino acids. So amino acids, obviously, are the building blocks of proteins. And as the amino acids kind of build their chain, they become peptides, right? So the peptides, they can do certain things. Now, have our peptides have ever been used in medicine or any type of healthcare? Well, uh, of course, actually, one of the most common peptides that is out there is insulin. I mean, insulin is a peptide, and insulin, you know, is uh, something that is used every day for patients who are diabetic. So these peptides specifically, though, um, that we're talking about have, you know, a function of stimulating the production of growth hormone, and they are going to do it by two methods. They increase the um, growth hormone releasing hormone or, and or they work specifically on the pituitary to actually stimulate the release of the um, growth hormone. So by doing that, what it does is it modulates the production and the release of the growth hormone. Now, is this a safer way to have growth hormone in your system? Probably. Um, you know, the, the jury's still out. The studies are still kind of ongoing. And as far as whether you know, peptide use is going to be safer than growth hormone use. And you have to understand that, you know, when you're producing more growth hormone, you obviously going to have the potential increased risk of all the things that we talked about when we discussed, you know, the, the risk profile of growth hormone. It's obviously not at the same level of just putting synthetic growth hormone in your system because now your body actually has to produce the growth hormone. So it will have some kind of negative feedback mechanism where if it's overproducing growth hormone, it will stop. So the peptides actually will stimulate the production of the, the growth hormone. And so there's there's certain growth, there's certain peptides that actually help to secrete the pe the secrete the hormone. Um, Samorolin is one of the more common ones. Now, one of the things you have to understand about this um, is that you know these growth hormones are not effective, you know, orally. They will be broken down. They're not going to be and not going to be effective taking orally. So any of the oral preparations that, you know, are are sold at the stores are not useful. They have to be injected. And the other thing about them is that their half-life, you know, the time at which they actually are functional, is very short. So that 
the smorlin was you know more of a natural kind of peptide where you know there's there are new more synthetic peptides that actually have a longer half-lives which are better in a way because of the fact that you don't have to inject you know the peptides as often so this, these are the positive things. So something like uh, apomorolin is a new, newer peptide which helps to secrete the hormone. Um, it has a longer half-life. Um, and again, you know, the safety profile is, you know, is what it is. Um, so these actually help to produce, um, these actually help to produce and secrete the growth hormone. And then there's, there, are, there are peptides that are analogs to growth hormone releasing hormones. So growth hormone releasing hormone, of course, is kind of the hormone that works on the pituitary to kind of modulate and produce um, growth hormone. So um, one of the most popular and common you know, of these analogs of growth hormone releasing hormone is something called CJC, um, 1295. And this analog is, is a pretty, um, a pretty powerful and pretty popular one. It actually, the analogs are, work a little bit faster and a little bit more effective. Their half-lives are actually, um, you know, even shorter. So you do have to um, kind of be aware of that. And sometimes, you know, these, you know, these, um, you know, these peptides are put together in a like, you know, simultaneous preparation. So that way you, you can get the best kind of results, um, you know, for, you know, for each, for each one that you're using. So, so that's really kind of the, um, you know, that's, those are the, the two types of peptides. Obviously, you know, the advantage of having, you know, the, the peptides are that you're going to have the body producing the natural hormone as opposed to you just, you know, flooding your body with, you know, like synthetic growth hormone and as well as you can monitor, you know, the insulin growth factor um, because of the fact that your body is going to, you know, be producing the insulin growth factors secondary to the fact that your growth hormone is being stimulated naturally, more naturally uh, with these peptides. So it's important to kind of get, you know, some perspective on what, you know, what the effectiveness is. Um, so there were, there was, again, a lot of clinical data um, that showed that in the early uh, 2000s that cognitive function and even things like early uh, dementia, Alzheimer's disease, were helped um, with uh, growth hormone use. Um, these studies have been, you know, more recently kind of clouded, and the more recent studies are a little bit, um, I guess, poorly designed is, is the way I would say it. Um, 
and so I don't, it's hard to say, you know, it's hard to say what the real kind of answers are because the original studies have showed, um, you know, pretty, pretty good data on some, you know, cognitive, um, improvement with patients. Um, again, you have to understand that, you know, this is, these preparations are very hard, um, to manage because of the fact that their half-life is so short. So you have to use peptides multiple times to actually get the effect. And of course, the other thing is that it's important to understand that, um, we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, cycling and how, how you kind of, how you kind of think about that. So, um, so what, so what are the other effects? Again, um, you have to think of, you know, the, obviously the lean muscle, bone strength, um, you know, the, there's definitely an, an increase of elasticity in the skin, um, you know, as well as, um, you know, wound healing and, you know, like just healing from injury as well. These are all kind of, um, are, are definitely all, um, improved. The cancers again, that are most predisposed. Um, and so the thing that you have to understand that if there's predisposition to breast, prostate or colon cancer in your family, then this probably would be a, a risk, um, regardless of whether we're talking about regular growth hormone or peptides themselves, because of the fact that these are the, you know, three most common, you know, cancers that are, are present again as well, you know, because of the fact that, you know, with growth hormone, there's an increased propensity to have an increase of insulin resistance, history of diabetes or any type of sugar, um, you know, related, um, uh, maladies in your family or yourself also have to be strongly kind of looked at before you consider, um, you know, any of this. So what do we think? What's the ultimate kind of answer, you know, to the peptide question? And, and we'll get a little bit kind of deeper into like, you know, the specific peptides and, and kind of what we, what we're, you know, what, what we would do. I mean, the peptides themselves, honestly, I think that there's, I think there's a lot of validity to the fact that growth hormone, um, you know, to some degree, um, if patients are deficient and of course, you know, our, our feeling always is that, you know, if there's a deficiency, you know, like adding to the deficiency or you know, just replenishing a deficiency as opposed to overdoing deficiency is usually have, you know, like some benefit to it. And so I think that, that there is, there potentially could be, um, you know, some real credence in the work of, uh, peptides because of the fact that, you know, I think for patients who are, you know, struggling to, um, you know, gain strength and have, um, you know, have the, you know, difficulties with, um, you know, certain types of immune function, cognitive ability, 
um, as well as bone strength, all these things are kind of related um, to, um, you know, like low growth hormone. And so with it, however, the peptides could be truly a game changer because of the fact that because it's modulating the production of growth hormone and not actually, you know, putting growth hormone into your system is definitely, I think, a, a more positive way to to uh, add growth hormone into your system. However, these things have to be closely monitored. I mean, there's definitely research that showed that as the insulin growth factor goes up, you know, to higher levels, there's definitely a higher propensity for, you know, cancer, um, you know, production. So, you know, these levels need to be kind of, you know, watched and monitored, um, you know, and risk. And then the risk profile needs to be closely monitored. And I think that at this point, you know, the best way that, you know, most people are, are kind of approaching peptides are doing it under like a physician's care, doing it in a way that's cycling, you know, the cycling it appropriately. Um, you know, we discussed doing peptides, you know, on a, you know, a five day, five to six day cycle and a three month, um, you know, uh, three month, uh, cycles on and off. So, um, I think the jury's still out. I think that there's, I think there's definitely a lot of, um, positivity, um, that could come from peptides. However, there's also a lot of questions that need to be answered. And there's also a really close, you know, a close, um, check of your kind of medical history, your family history to see if, you know, the risk benefit profile is really right for you. And I, I, I truly believe that because at, at some level, um, you have to look into the risk benefit profile and, um, you know, because, you know, there's, there's no other way around it that we just don't know the answers as far as how significant the peptides are going to affect um, you know, the cellular, you know, metabolism. Um, so I think it's important that you go through a full kind of discussion with, um, your provider, um, go through a full history, full, like family history, full potential, you know, like risk history. And, um, that's where you start. And then from there, then, you know, how you would, you know, manage the peptides is the second question and do it in a way that's responsible. And of course, monitoring, um, you know, the blood work would be really, you know, important as well. Monitoring the sugar, monitoring the insulin growth factors. These are all things that must be done, you know, in a responsible way to do it in a safe and effective way. I think there's, I think there's definitely some potential here. And I think that, um, we're going to, um, continue to kind of monitor this. We're going to continue to do some more kind of research and, um, and we're looking forward to it. So uh, we hope that this gave you a little bit of introduction. We didn't want to go too 
too much in depth onto all the different peptides. I think we might do that in another episode. But I, what I wanted to do is kind of give you like the overview of what it is that the peptides are, what they, what the risks are, what the benefits are, and um, we hope this helped. So if you did uh, like this content, please like and share our uh, podcasts. Um, we will be back next week with some important and exciting content. Thanks again for your listenership to the Modern Man Podcast.